Before the days of internet and in YouTube, you we was after ruin Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude. And Jake would be the break the way he's playing with snakes. Enthusiast of highest taste was always trading some tapes. Dusty said it cold to let me know about hard times. And Randy be the cream and he was reaching for new highs. Flair was always going and Andre was so imposing. Doesn't matter if nobody can seem to beat Hulk Hogan. Turnbuckles and territories. We be stuck to screens in 1980s. And we can't feed them and made them believe. By the turnbuckles and territories. Turnbuckles and territories. Welcome back to Turnbuckles and Territories, the Gen X era podcast all about professional wrestling. With me as always today is Barry. What's going on, George? And you know that Captain Kiwi is here. Hey, 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 how's it going, everybody? In today's episode, you can't have a discussion about the Gen X era without talking about video games. Today, we remember our favorite wrestling video games of the 80s and 90s. And to help us do that, we brought in a special guest. Drum roll. No, I'm not putting on a drum roll because I don't have one. So John from Gen X Grown Up is here. How you doing, John? Hey, gentlemen. And also, George. How's it going? I think it's... Wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting typecast here because when George had a comic book show, I was brought in as the guy who knew nothing about comic books. And now that there's a wrestling show, I'm here as the guy who knows nothing about wrestling. But luckily, you're talking about video games, so I know a little bit of something. <laughs> I was going to so. say, I gave you one bone. I gave you video games. <laughs> you have a frame you of did. reference, sir. You have a frame of reference. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. No, thank you for asking me to be on. Pleasure. Absolutely. It's very, very important that we pay tribute to my Gen X grown-up era roots. So I wanted to bring John on for at least one episode of this season. And John, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to release this episode on the Gen X feed as well, right? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking video games. You betcha. Love is commitment. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that depends sounds on how right. bad this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on Barry's performance at this point, really. Wow. Well, thanks. No pressure, pal. I appreciate it. <laughs> we looked at this a bunch of different ways, trying to figure out how to do a podcast about a wide subject of video games specifically as they relate to pro wrestling. There are, I don't know, 50, maybe 100 different pro wrestling video games out easily, on the market. Easily. First thing was to narrow it down to the 70s, 80s. Since that's what our podcast talks about, I felt that was important to talk about video games from that area. Uh, then I was trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, do we talk about arcade ones or do we talk about a particular platform or maybe we switch it around and do like a segment on each platform. Mm. And then I realized, well, we got four segments and today there are four of us, just like Princess <laughs> Bride. There's, you know, there's all. So why not just have each one of us pick our favorite pro wrestling video game and spend a segment talking about it. And I think we all came up with ones that we all liked, except for John and I, as tradition dictates, we decided to fight over one. <laughs> we <laughs> argue over. Well, well, to be fair, to be true, you magnanimously deferred to me as the guest and said, you could have the one you picked and you picked a second. Cause you're like, I could pick one of a dozen. Like you had a bunch of favorites, right? And I kind of had, yeah. I just had the one. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm hoping that Captain Kiwi, I'm, you and Barry, both you guys are happy with the ones you chose. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. This was absolutely my favorite one and one of my first ones. So without a doubt, I, this had to be talked about. Nice. Well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So why waste any time? Let's get right into the very first one with Captain Kiwi right after the break. It's WCWNWO Revenge, only on Nintendo 64. 
Nintendo Power says WCWNWO action is bigger than ever. Fans will eat this one up. Featuring over 60 of WCW and NWO superstars with custom finishes and trademark moves. Four-player battle royal mode with double teaming and more weapons than ever before. Get addicted. Call 1-800-WCW-8661 to order now. Also available wherever video games are sold. Revenge is just too sweet. As everybody knows, I started watching wrestling in about 1990. However, I didn't get a video game system until 91. After I got my Nintendo system, I started renting games from Blockbuster, and one of the very first games I rented was WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Oh, man. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. nice. Nice pick. And renting video games from Blockbuster, I don't know how much Gen X memory you could throw into one <laughs> sentence, but that's almost all of it. Only if you rented the actual console with it. Well, he said he got one. Right. So he didn't yeah. have to rent the console, but got it for man, Christmas. Oh, those big clamshell boxes. Yeah. Remember that? With <laughs> oh, the- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the instructions were usually photocopied because someone would long, long have stolen or lost the instructions. <laughs> whoa, 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 so you whoa, had whoa, like whoa. a fifth generation photocopied instructions, if you had instructions at all. Right? I was about to say, you right, had instructions right, yeah. with yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, like, there's somebody on eBay right now that they just keep redoing a new auction every time where they're selling the instructions to some of these <laughs> as people are trying to complete their game box mm-hmm. sets from back in yep. the day. They were the yep. guy who just went into every blockbuster, rented the game one time for the future and it. saying, I know there's going to be an online resale <laughs> environment that I could sell these in 20 years from now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I wish I had the foresight for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did have the foresight to pick out a good game. I did. I did. Um, it was released in, in 1990. Uh, so the same year that I started watching wrestling for the in the North American market by LJN, that wonderful, wonderful game company. Oddly enough. It wasn't released until 92 for the Famicom, which is... So it came out for Nintendo first. Ooh, right. The way around. Yeah, that's a little unusual. Yeah, usually it's the, Jap- the uh, Japanese market gets it first, but we got it this time. And then the company that released it for the Famicom, I believe it was Hot B. Hot B. <laughs> yeah, wow. they, did, they did some... Uh, Hot B. <laughs> they did some great games like there's a Black Bass, Lure Fishing, and Insector what? X. <laughs> Okay. From the studio who brought you fishing. <laughs> we now have wrestling. Oh my gosh. All right. So tell me about this game, Aaron. What's the story with this one? Standard wrestling game. Um, it had an isometric view, which was kind of kind of neat. Uh, it allowed you to see all the action pretty well. It had uh, nine or ten different wrestlers uh, that you could choose from, uh, from the, uh, the 80s era. Uh, it had Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, uh, the Macho King, Randy Savage. The Ultimate Warrior. Hacksaw oh, wait, G- you said Macho King. So this was after a King of the Ring win. Right. Ah. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh! I was waiting on it. Somebody had to do it. If you weren't going to do it, I was going to. We apologize to the listeners who just lost their right eardrum. <laughs> Bruce the Barber Beefcake, Ravishing Rick Rude, the Big Boss Man. I sense a theme, at least with one wrestler in that list that you just mentioned. The Big Boss Man was in every goddamn wrestling video game <laughs> on this list except for like one he was everywhere you gotta love some Ray man. Trailer man I mean that guy <laughs> was everywhere <laughs> good old Cobb County Georgia so which one did you get to play well um, you can play any of them however okay. there's also another one you played as yourself which is just kind of a <laughs> kind wait of a, a generic wait, wait, wrestler wait, wait, wait. hang on a second the character's name was yourself Yes. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it literally says yourself. That's right a on. lot of thought in that one. <laughs> 
like, did they have a camera attachment with the Nintendo system where you took a picture and then it was superimposed or was it just a generic type of character that everybody had? I'm guessing generic character. Everybody had uh, yeah. white male, short hair. What are you giving a police description type. now? What is that? Speedo-type trucks. <laughs> Caucasian on foot, unarmed. <laughs> In trunks. In tr- yeah, right. Exactly. Now you're well tanned. You have a nice orange pallor. Your little, even you play as yourself. <laughs> it looks like you've been to the tanning booth at least. So See, you, you're athletic. That would have turned me off right there. The well tanned part. <laughs> I would have been like, this is not believable. This, this is, is not bullshit. myself. <laughs> so, of course, you know, being a wrestling fan and wanting to be a wrestler, well, at the time, just wanting to be, uh, I played as yourself most of the time. Occasionally, I play Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior, but I usually played as as yourself. My sister would play with me as well sometimes, and we'd do like a tag team as yourself and yourself. <laughs> that just, I, I am without words on that one. <laughs> that that explains your schizophrenia. Jesus. Yourself and yourself. That's, That's a hell of, of a wrestling character. Why is that not somebody in WWF or AEW right now? That no, is like the wait. transcendent tag team or something. Where it one with feels herself. like an Al Snow <laughs> wrestling persona, doesn't it? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> mm. Now, one thing about this uh, this game is they had kind of like an advantage meter or kind of a an in-game way to tell you who was winning. Mm-hmm. Each wrestler like had their- Like a bar across the screen or something? No, it was by, uh, it's an audio cue. They had, uh, oh. they would play the, uh, the wrestler's entrance music, eh, 8-bit, but it was mm-hmm. pretty decent. They would play it at the very start of the match when it's introducing the wrestlers and periodically throughout the match it would play one or the other's uh, wrestlers music except for Andre the Giant who didn't have entrance music so they had to come up with some kind of generic John just got sad <laughs> well feel bad for Andre man play, play the man so we are the champions or something when you look like Andre looked you don't need entrance music <laughs> <laughs> But what it would do is throughout the gameplay, it would after eh, maybe a minute or so, it would switch uh, to the other wrestler's music. However, if you were winning and it was playing the other wrestler's music, you did a pin, a failed pinfall. It was it would switch to the wrestler that did the pinnings music. So it's like they're the ones that are winning right now. They're the ones that are mm-hmm. are heavy advantage. Huh. That's a different take from, I mean, most wrestling games are fighting games of the time. You would see some kind of a, a power bar kind of a thing or a meter or something like that. It would, you know, you be weakened or you would be super strong and get to do a super move. I noticed on the, the you mentioned the isometric view, Aaron, and uh, I like that about this one. So I, I went and played it because I had never played this one because I wasn't a big wrestling fan, as you know, but uh, I went and played this one a bit and I love the isometric view. And there seemed, there was some kind of a power meter like down on the, the, the screen skirt or whatever, the side of uh, of the ring, right? So along the side, there's this little power bar that has like status. And it seemed like clearly when that was empty, I was going to get pinned, but I didn't pick up on the music because like you and your blockbuster experience, I didn't have the instructions either. <laughs> Can I just say how proud I am of John that he actually just used the term ring skirt? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't well, words but- don't begin to describe how proud I am of you right now. I mean, it's not a it's not something that's specific to wrestling. That's something that's in boxing too. So he might have picked it up somewhere else. No, I picked it up from catering because when you set up tables and you have to put See? the table. <laughs> okay. 
Here I am giving you props on something. Here I am giving you props and you got a crap on it. All right, fine. I just don't want to take credit where it's not warranted. That's all. I do remember that. I played this game just like a few hours before the recording. And I remember that little bar, but it's an unusual bar because it would dissipate as you were getting hit, but then it would mm-hmm. refill as you were walking away from your opponent like you were recovering. Yeah. Right. It was it was a uh, more like, it was like a health bar. bar. Yeah. An endurance bar, right. A health bar, endurance bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found the playability of this one to be, uh, <laughs> of the NES ones that I played, it's pretty good. I like the isometric view. Like like so many things you're judging it by, you know, we have later, we're going to talk about some arcade games. It's just not fair to talk about the playability or the number of frames of animation. But, you know, I found it, you had very limited, you just had the two buttons, the A and the B, of course, and then some combination thereof. And it seemed like my buttons would either it would kick or he would rear up and kind of get ready to grab somebody. <laughs> or he could push both buttons and he would go flying and do like a a, a a flying leg kick across the across the beginning. I could never catch the guy because he's kind of moving randomly, zigzaggy, dodging. I remember yeah. back back in the day, I was I was really good at this game. I played it all the time, mm. every chance I get. I actually I actually got it from I think a goodwill years mm. later uh, and I played the hell out of that game loved it <laughs> was really really good at it played it uh, about a week ago and I was oh it was it was bad <laughs> it was really really bad I was, I was absolutely terrible got brought back to humility a little bit huh oh yeah of the four that we're going to talk about I think graphically and gameplay wise this may be the weaker of the four not that it's any less important than any of the other three but I did feel like it was kind of the I don't know the poorer attempt to replicate a pro wrestling experience. And I know that's something Barry, you had talked about when we were discussing this episode, like does the game make you feel like you were either a part of watching or being in a pro wrestling environment? This one had the least of that to me, but I could still see if I'm a young person in the early nineties, why this game would be so awesome to get a hold of if I was a wrestling fan. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit on this, George, just because of the fact that, you know, for its time with the technology that was available, this was pretty good. I mean, it, it was it the best ideal form to try to make you feel like you're right there and, you know, smelling the sweat kind of feel? No. <laughs> but <laughs> it for what it was, I, I I would give it a, you know, out of, out of five, I'd probably give it about a three. So, well, so what fair. part are we disagreeing on? Because that's kind of <laughs> exactly what I just said. What you were saying about <laughs> that you didn't think that this was good for, or this didn't encapsulate the experience. And I think it did with the technology that was available, the best job it could. So I don't think so because there was technology available that was in a different form. If you're talking about only what's available at home, okay, maybe, Yeah. Mm -hmm. but technology wasn't only at home. We still had arcades at this time and very soon thereafter, because you, Aaron, you picked this up in 91 or 92 after you rented it for the first time, right? Correct. So, I mean, there was still stuff that was coming out in the arcades that was far superior to this. Now, I'm not saying you have to judge it against those because, like John said, that's kind of not really a fair comparison. Mm -hmm. But if I'm talking about something that made me feel like I was watching a wrestling event, it's an opinion. And for me, my opinion was this wouldn't have made me feel like that back then. This Mm -hmm. one had cheering, at least. There's there's a couple that had no no cheering whatsoever. (laughs) True. There was that one little (laughs) audience member in the bottom left-hand corner that would yes. raise his hands up a second and then put him back down and raise his hands up. <laughs> Hooray, two-frame animation. It never looks weird. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, Aaron, it definitely crushes probably the first wrestling game I ever played, which was the 2600. But it, that came out in 87 and it was on the mm. 2600. So it was actually, it tried, it looked very similar to this one, but of course it just didn't have nearly the horsepower. So what this delivered in terms of, you know, musicality and, and, and variety and moves and stuff, it's certainly above the one that I'm accustomed to, which is kind of a flat, tiny Atari version. Two dots. Yeah. Two dots yeah, uh, running around each other. <laughs> well, they, were, <laughs> they were far they, off. Yeah. If you squinted, they look like guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Nintendo World News with Mario. We go direct to the ringside at the WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Ready, kid? Just watch me with the Macho Man. And here he comes, 250 pounds of lean, mean muscle. What a leg drop! Wow! An elbow smash! And a body slam! Let's see that again. Is that the end of the Macho Man? No way. I want a rematch. This is Mario for WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Nintendo! Kiwi, that one was great. I'm not going to deny it. However, mine goes back a little bit further than yours. The one that I chose was Pro Wrestling for the NES. Came out in March 87 to the US. And yes, this was one of the original Nintendos. Absolutely one of my favorite games. I have so many memories of playing this particular one. Now, this one, it was uh, originally manufactured by uh, for Famcom. So it kind of falls in the same category. It was mm-hmm. released in Japan in October of 86 and then released in the U.S. in March of 87. So, so the right way of doing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Traditional. <laughs> now, originally this was on NES. It eventually got released for Sega as well. And I'm so glad that it did because I, at the time, had transitioned from the NES over to Sega. So I got to play it on both platforms and loved it. Uh, was that the uh, Master System or the Mega Drive that was released on? No, it was the Master System. It was the original. Okay. So now this one was kind of cool because there, there, there were a few firsts in this game. This okay. is the first one that actually had an in-ring referee. Most of the time prior to this, you would just have the two guys in the ring and they were just going at it. This actually had a referee that was interacting with them, would drop for the pins and go through the count and everything like that. The other cool thing is this one actually had a ringside cameraman. And up until then, you didn't really see anything else. I mean, you had the kind of the blank stares of all the audience, but this had a cameraman that would pop from either side on it. Now, you said there's there's a referee. Did they do ref bumps or anything like that? Or was no. it just somebody no, basically, there. he was just there to kind of count out uh, or to count the pins and to count outs. Because the other mm-hmm. thing that this one had, <laughs> you're going to love this, Aaron. This is the first game that I recall that you could do plunges. Yes. <laughs> John has a question. <laughs> What's a plunge? And do I want to know? Oh, Lord. Plancha. Plancha is basically where somebody either dives through or over the ropes into somebody that's on the floor. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. see it a lot now, but this was the first game that really showed you to be able to run, bounce off that back rope, and then mm-hmm. jump through the ropes at somebody on the floor. All right. So let's get into the characters on this one. Because there was only really six playable characters, but there was a seventh character. And you're going to love these names. The first one was Fighter Hayabusa from Japan, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Giant Panther from the US. I have never heard a more racial name than this. King Corn Khan from Korea. Wow. King Slender (laughs) from USA, who strangely enough looked a lot like one of the characters from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, but we'll get to that later. Starman from Mexico, mm-hmm. and my personal favorite from parts unknown, 
the Amazon. I think I played Starman more than any of the other characters. Yeah, I, most people either that or a fighter Hayabusa were the two biggest ones. Starman has the like a mask with a star on it, right? He's yes. like a yeah, it was like fighter. a blue and a, red it was star. A yeah. Pink, yeah, a pink mask. Uh, no, it was a blue mask with a pink star. Mm. Okay, maybe it was on the box art then that it was a pink with a blue star. I think I remember I, that. I, I think I, I, I played, could be wrong on that. I, I have to go back that. and play it. I've I played it when we started talking about this a while back, and I haven't gone back and played it. And honestly, my memory's not quite as good on the colorations on that, but I remember it was pink and blue. So John, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, the character of the Amazon was actually the inspiration for Blanca from Street Fighter. That surprises me exactly 0% because this is, this is another one that I had never played before I saw you were picking it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be, I want to be well-versed in what I didn't know. Right. And so first I played as, I don't know who the random guy was, I, the guy who looked macho enough. And I, I tried that. And then I tried this guy that looked like the creature from the black lagoon who was this the amazon <laughs> and he does everything blanca does and then yep. like he like he grabs a guy and he starts chewing on his head mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> right yeah like all the stuff that Blanca. and i'm like this is all blanca stuff this is all blanca stuff <laughs> then i saw your list that he's inspired blanca and i'm like that makes perfect sense because he was invoking blanca when i was playing him and in fact i did crappy with the regular guy i won the match the first match i won in this game was with the amazon i of love course it. it was if it's a street fighter character john's gonna find a way to win with it <laughs> well naturally that's one of the reasons why i had to choose this one now <laughs> great the cool thing about this game that that i loved is that you had you know like most games you had a single player and you had a dual player mode dual mm-hmm. player mode was literally just head to head so and you could play any of the six characters going head to head however in single player mode there were actually titles that you could win oh. and again i think this is the first one that offered titles instead of just one if you went through and played the game and you defeated king slender you had to go through all the guys and King Slender at the end, you became the, you'll love this, George, Video Wrestling Association yeah. belts. I, That's the I one you want. I held that title many a times <laughs> on that game. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. If you were the VMA belt holder and you defended it 10 times, you got to wrestle another character called the Great Puma, which was not Ooh. playable, for the Video Wrestling Federation title. <laughs> I held that title exactly zero times. <laughs> <laughs> no, wasn't that similar to the uh, the Mike Tyson's Punch Out uh, titles that you could get? It was like yeah, a video had, like, boxing association, and something like that, and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you could tell that there was a lot of inspiration taken from this game into Mike Tyson's Punch Out, into Street mm-hmm. Fighter, into a lot of other ones. Well, didn't you say one of the characters kind of resembled a Mike Tyson Punch Out character? King Slender. Yeah, uh, right. It wasn't Soda Popinski? I can't remember which one it was the really, really skinny guy in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Well, Glass Joe, I know, was the first one you fought in Mm -hmm. regular Punch-Out. I don't remember if, was Glass Joe the same name in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Because I know those are two different games. In Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, it was Glass Joe, yeah. The resemblance is undeniable when you see them side by side. Yeah, You cannot argue that this was an inspiration for it. And as many 80s games had, this one also had a very famous winning line finish line, whatever you want to call it. On the NES, it came up and said, challenge next match or go fight. But when you won your match, it would come up and say, 
a winner is you. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All your bases are belong, are belong to, to us. us. Yep. Exactly. All your exactly. <laughs> you You're gotta winner. love the bad Japanese translations, man. But this game, I just have so many memories of hours upon hours playing this thing, just trying to get those belts because inevitably you'd win the first one pretty rel- you know, relatively easy. Okay. And then having to defend your own belt, it's like somebody's going to cheat. Somebody's going to, you know, just wear you down or something and you have to start the whole thing all over again. I think that's pretty much true of most of the wrestling video games. They're they're all about getting to a dominant position, wearing your opponent down, and then getting the pin. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember too many games until the modern era that would do things like submissions or knockouts or anything like that. It was all wearing your opponent down and getting to the pin, but it still brought you into the pro wrestling environment. That's the question we've kind of asked of all these games. Mm -hmm. Did it make you feel like you were part of a pro wrestling environment this game more than the first one of captain kiwis to a bigger degree made me feel like that and since it was playable at home i could play it over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over i found this one oddly to be more playable than your uh, wwf wrestlemania challenge but uh, like there's something about the isometric view that made it feel less video gamey i don't know if i can explain Mm. that you know it's the very flat left right kind of kind of view Uh, although you could you know you throw people out and do all that kind of cool stuff but i i I definitely when playing this one as soon as i found the amazon and found that I could do moves that I understood, right? <laughs> even without instructions. Like I could intuitively find cool stuff to do with him. Um, it had the feeling that uh, that you're building up towards something. You're like, oh, now right. I have a skill I can use. I can actually, and the next guy comes along and, and different guys had different moves, which is cool. This one I noticed wasn't just, you know, punch and kick and suplex. This was, you know, like I said, my guy could bite on your head and not everybody did that. And so it added those characterizations that I remembered liking so much in pro wrestling at the time. So John, in wrestling, we refer to that as a storyline. And that's exactly okay. what it was. You felt that your 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 character was developing. Oh, okay. You were building yeah. a storyline. You had rivalries. You had you know squash matches. You had all that kind of stuff. Really started with this, and and I agree with you, George. I, I kind of feel like this one, in a way, kind of personified the territory style wrestling better than most of the other games. Whereas the other ones really define more of like the WWF WWE style. Right. Right. Well. Before we give Barry another chance to belittle our guest too much more, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to the next segment because I want to talk about my video game. Since Barry just mentioned WWF, that's exactly what we're going to talk about after the break. In the ring, out of the ring, out of control. WWF Royal Rumble on Super NES, 16 Meg This guy's rocking. It's perfect. With more WWF superstars than ever before. Unbelievable six men in the ring at once. No holds barred. That's perfect. Each wrestler's specialty move. Complete mayhem. The tombstone pile. It's out of control. The bonsai truck. Total chaos. The perfect plex. Oh, did you see that? WWF Royal Rumble on Super NES. Get it now. Perfect. Barry alluded to it last segment. A lot of video games in the pro wrestling video game market are WWF oriented. And that's for good reason, because the WWF is the dominant pro wrestling organization of this era. Uh, It does fight a little bit in the 90s, obviously, with WCW, as we've talked about in past podcasts. But at this time in the 80s, which is when WWF superstars came out, 1989. John, this is from a company named Technos. You remember that Mm -hmm. name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
It's yeah, got some good stuff in it. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, matter of fact, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, they are um, a game that you and I played on the Gen X Grown Up YouTube channel. Remember Super Dodgeball? Talking about Dodgeball. Yeah. That's a yeah, Tetris game right? as well. Yep. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna come into play <laughs> during this segment a little bit. Uh, this was the first WWF arcade game, which I, I thought for sure that they had to have had one sooner than that. But no, this was the very first one. Hmm. What I found interesting, though, as the very first game, you only had one playing mode. You could only play as a tag team. Now, you could play by yourself or you could play with a another living human being on the arcade cabinet and you would control one tag team member and they would control the other. But no matter what, you were a tag team. So it's a little bit unusual because most wrestling games were singles players games to boot. As a matter of fact, I think all of the games besides this one on the list are all single player video games. You know, something I noticed about the tag team nature of this, George, you mentioned it, is that, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to this eventually, but we, we talk about how much does this bring you into like enjoying or watching or being part of wrestling. As a tag teams, if you're getting pinned, the partner would run out and mess with you. <laughs> Yeah, he would kick you off like all the stuff that's technically illegal to do, but everybody did in every single tag team match. They would come out and stomp you on the back so that you would get off this guy. (laughs) Well, because technically it's not illegal. You have five seconds. Oh, really? Both guys can be in the ring for five seconds before the referee kicks one of them out. So Mm. that's what the gameplay dynamic was taking advantage Ah, of. Ah, I see. You could run in, break up the pin, and run back out. And that was a big part of the dynamic of the video game because you Mm -hmm. had to not only control your character and make sure that your character was dominant enough to go for the pin, but then as soon as you were pinning someone... Mm-hmm. If you were playing single player mode, like just yourself playing the tag team, you would be in control of the oh, really? tag team member that. that would come inside to try and stop the guy from breaking up the pin. Ah, oh, wow. that was cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, playable characters, there are not very many playable characters in this game. There are actually only six, except for there's like a little glitch that I'll get into later. But the main six characters that you can play are Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior. Hacksaw Jib Duggan. Don't do it, Captain Kiwi. (laughs) (laughs) The Honky Tonk Man and of course, the big boss man. Like we said, that guy was in every possible WWF game. The other thing that I found out doing some research, this is all based on the Technos Double Dragon 2 engine. Okay. So the Double Dragon 2 game that had come out, this was based on that engine and very similar to Double Dragon. It's got a two button system. It's got the punch and the kick, and then you Mm -hmm. hit both buttons to do something like a sprint or a grapple or things of that nature. Now, did you say Tecmo or Tecmo? Technos. Technos. Okay. No, it's not, not the guy. Techno ball. I was going to say it's not yeah. the guy that did techno ball. <laughs> Um, you had a series of matches that you could play and believe it or not, as an arcade game, this game did have an ending, which a lot of video games don't have an ending. They're just continual until they hit a kill screen or something. This one, you had two rounds of three matches and your third match was the championship match against the other two characters who were not playable, Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase, who at the time were a faction known as the Mega Bucks. Yep. And 
Mm. It was really fun to see that the first three matches that you played, they were in New York. And then if you got past those, you went through the cycle again, although a much higher difficulty level. And you went through that cycle in Tokyo and the okay. rings kind of matched the, the environment that they were in. I think too, what was funny when you got, if you got through all of them and beat Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant, there was a little screen that popped up almost like an ending screen where Miss Elizabeth would present you with the belts and the trophy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but Macho Man's getting mad about that one. Oh, you know, right? You you filmed my woman too wrong. I, ah. <laughs> John, you played a lot of video games. Have you ever noticed that the games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, they have timers, right? Right. Sure. And in those timers, they're generally, it's, you know, a countdown timer and it's per second usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, give or take. Sure. This one has that. It's a 30 okay. second timer, but each second takes seven seconds to complete. Okay. So the match time is actually three and a half minutes. <laughs> I have a question. Why, yeah, not why? Ju- why not just make the timer a three and a half minute timer? Then I, Maybe that didn't feel right. And they were trying, I think the three and a half minutes, they were trying to figure out the quarter to gameplay ratio thing. That's, you know, John, we talk about it in mm-hmm. Gen X Chrono podcast all the time, yep. how some games are a quarter suck for a certain reason, because that's all the manufacturers should other games. If you have enough skill, you can play the game for hours yep. on just one quarter. Right. Um, I think they were trying to find a middle ground there where it gave enough action to the people to let them play on just one or two quarters, but still get people off the machine to get a new person in a little bit faster. Okay. I mean, three and a half minutes, I could still see that getting a decent amount of gameplay in for that. Uh, we'll, we'll call it the value game. You get three and a half minutes for a quarter instead of just 30 seconds. <laughs> Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the length of the match, though. Is, is that how long you could play or is that how long the match would run? I mean, if you got pinned before the timer was out, your game was still over, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. If you got pinned or you made the pin before that timer mm-hmm. was up, then the game, that particular match was over. Now, if you did the pinning, then you yeah. got to move on Continue. to the next match. Yeah. If you got pinned, you had to restart that same match over. Remember, I said it was a three game cycle. So uh-huh. that would take okay. you back to the beginning of that same match. Oh. oh, OK. So the timer was really kind of a, a game play timer, not specifically just a match timer. I see. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And it was a bit of a quarter suck because the health meter for the two characters that you were playing, every time a special move was done against you, you'd lose like three out of the 12 or 10 bars that you had. It was Mm -hmm. devastating to get hit by a suplex or a pile driver or something like that. But the way that you could counteract that was throw another quarter in the machine and your meter would fill back up kind (laughs) of like gauntlet. So it sounds a lot like gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was it was rough. It, I remember spending. Ted DiBiase needs food badly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Andre the Giant is about to die. <laughs> I remember throwing a lot of quarters in this game in the arcade when I was playing it. It did have some other interesting features that maybe weren't in some earlier games. The ring ropes were bouncy. Like when you would bounce against them, they would spring back and flash and everything. Mm -hmm. It was kind of fun. Um, You did have outside the ring action like in Barry's um, and Captain Kiwi's matches. Although I notice in this one, you could enter and exit the ring from a couple of different places, not just the front, because this oh. was a front view video game, mm-hmm. but you could also enter and exit the ring from the left or right side. Oh, okay. So that was a little bit different. Um, you could do running planches, just like in Barry's game where you could jump over and land on the guy, but you could do them with different special moves depending upon the character you had. Nice. Some of the stuff I've loved about this one, and this is one that I, the, the previous two from NES that I said I've never played before. This one I definitely had played before. I remember the cabinet for this 
this was just, it called you to the corner of the room because it was usually a great big cabinet. The the mm-hmm. two controllers were kind of like askew a little bit in the big cabinets, at least. And it took up a big corner of the arcade and it was flashing lights in it. I just remember this being a gorgeous cabinet. But in, in the gameplay itself, and I went back and replayed this to, to remember, there's so much about it that, that even over the one that I'm going to pick to talk about, the spectacle of wrestling is there. It just feels very visceral. The sprites are enormous. They're like quarter of the screen tall, like almost right. as big as Street Fighter guys. They're very detailed. Um, the, the the punching, like when you get hit, it's not just, you know, do, do, do. it was like whack, whack. Like there's noises, like there's a microphone, like ASMR wrestling. Somebody's got a mic on their fist, you know? <laughs> right. And just all of the sounds of there, it just felt, it pulled me into the game even more so than any of the others, even maybe more than the one I picked in terms of watching wrestling. It felt like, and there were, were there like, like cameras going off in the audience? There were there flash were. bulbs everywhere. Yeah. It felt like mm-hmm. you were in a pay-per-view spectacle. Yeah, and that's why I think I really enjoyed this game mm-hmm. more than some of the others, except for the one that you're going to talk about later, John. That's by far my favorite wrestling mm-hmm. video game. I find it fun that you talk about the sounds that attracted you to the cabinet mm-hmm. because those okay. sounds, John, the ouch sounds and that exhausted animation when a wrestler was hurt after he got released from a grapple or got back off the ground, they uh-huh. were the exact same sounds and animations from Super Dodgeball. Oh, back to Dodgeball. That's why they look so familiar. Yeah, the yep. He's huffing and puffing, right? <laughs> and the ouch sound to this day, every time I hear it, no matter what game it's in, I know exactly. That's super dodgeball because it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Wilhelm scream for films. I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Use it over and over and over and over to pay homage. It is better to give than to receive. Give it to him good when WWF WrestleMania slams out of the arcade and into your home. To thine own self. Be true. With the most true to life wrestling you've ever seen. Love thy neighbor. Sometimes love hurts in the World Wrestling Federation. Do unto others. Do it to them first. WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game for leading home systems from acclaim. No pain, no gain. The game that I picked is also an arcade game. No big surprise there. As George mentioned at the beginning of the, the show, it was the one that he was going to pick before we talked about we're yep. going to pick a specific game. And it's it's because for several reasons. One, it's the game I know the best. It's the game that I'm, it was absolutely my favorite wrestling game on any platform and anywhere. And it's a game that I still play today periodically. You know, I'll fire up emulation and I'll play Donkey Kong and I'll play Miss Pac-Man and I'll play Galaga and I got to play some Matt Mania. So, wow. <laughs> Matt Mania, the Pro Wrestling Network. It actually has a subtitle. I never called it anything <laughs> other than Matt Mania. It came out in 85. Uh, it, it's actually, it was a translation. Uh, it, by, by the way, it's, it's a Japanese style wrestling game, apparently. I never mm-hmm. knew that, but it first came out in Japan called Exciting Hour, the Pro Wrestling Network. I don't know if that was the name of a show in Japan or what, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it is, it reminds me of a lot of the games we've talked about, but it has evolutions of all those games too, I think. Yeah. The thing that's really fun is that this game was cloned and copied about a hundred billion times. I saw this game in 20 million different formats. <laughs> the big pro wrestling, the big bop pro wrestling, the bopper wrestling. I mean, it was like people took this arcade cabinet and just rewrote the code to give it a new title and distribute it themselves. I saw this game in an arcade in Florida when I was going to Orlando as a young man with my parents and both the original and a clone were sitting right next to each other in an arcade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
like George's WWF Superstars game, this is also a Technos Japan game. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then Taito is the one that brought it to the US in 85. And apparently it's a spiritual successor to a game that I don't even know very well called Tag Team Wrestling. Is that an yeah. arcade game? Yeah, you know mm-hmm. that one? It is. Yeah, it's okay. very like the sprites and the graphics are really? tag team wrestling just enhanced. Yeah. So I, I love everything about this game. I love the control scheme. I love how in control I feel. I've often talked about the difference between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, where Mortal Kombat, I feel like, especially the old 80s, 90s Mortal Kombat, I'm driving a slideshow. I move the stick and he takes a couple of steps kind of thing, where Street right. Fighter was very one-to-one. I move my stick and something happened. And the, the control here, the, the visuals, it's a cartoon about wrestling, I think is what I like about it. It's not too literal. It's not too serious, but it has a lot of inspirations from real wrestling I know that I only learned recently uh you play the protagonist in the game is dynamite tommy and you (laughs) put a quarter in and you hit start and the first thing you get is this announcer guy he's got a name plate on his desk his name is Corey, and he's screaming and you don't hear what he's saying but the music is playing but he's got his sleeves rolled up he's got his his ties loosened he's talking it's the big match it's the big match and he's announcing the next player and they bring these guys on sequentially and and i'm going to pause at each one because i think you guys know more about the origin of them i always knew them as guys the first one you fight is Insane Warrior, who I mm. always figured was kind of a uh, like a sting-ish kind of guy. I don't know who he's supposed to be. He had some f- f- face paint, I thought, right? Yeah. I mean, Sting wore his face paint, but Sting was kind of later on. Oh, so, was he? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was really based off of a Japanese stuff. So like Great Muda. Okay. Yeah. He was a painted mm, guy in Japan at the time, and there was a few others. But you mentioned the guy that you play Tommy? Uh, dynamite Tommy that's based on a character the oh, dynamite really? kid oh yeah not just yourself yeah. okay no no yeah not just yourself not the split personality yourself and yourself <laughs> yeah and then and each of the guys you fight they have different like street fighter where people have different abilities or yaya kung fu where people have different abilities you have star and, and fetal and people like that the next one is karate fighter super generic mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And, he, and he does he does flying kicks like a Bruce Lee kind of a character and different kind of stuff. Is he based on somebody? I don't know. Nobody that, that I can think off the top of my yeah. head. He's just a generic. That's sweet. So some of these are based off of wrestling characters. Some of them okay. are just based off of an like image or a style or types protagonist. Of characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one is probably falls in that category. Coco Savage is the next guy that you fight. Oh, he, man. <laughs> I love these he, names. He, he looks like he's got a Flintstones tunic on. <laughs> Like He's something like a, that's looking to get canceled in 2022. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's like like a like tribal imagery, like something you would see out of a, a Abbott and Costello movie, right? Abbott and Costello right. visit, you know, Africa or something. Is that kind of view? But he also he could do cool things. He puts you in a headlock and punch you in the head over and over to make like a coconut clunk sound. They each had their own <laughs> special moves, which was awesome. Well, I think with this one because I do remember Coco Savage, and this kind of seemed like almost a hybrid between like the Head Shrinkers and maybe you know. Jimmy Superfly Snooka or something. It it kind of had those same types yeah. of vibes to them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would go with Snooka. It was very similar to him. Was it? Yeah. The yeah. next one was. I'm sure you know, just like your you a winner you are or all your base belong to us. Supposed to be the piranha was the Perania. Who's <laughs> <laughs> misspelled in the game and and. Being an anal retentive spelling nerd that I am, it always bothered me. So this was the guy I most like beating because I'm like, you need to spell your name right. I can't wait to kick your butt. <laughs> I honestly thought that was a typo in the notes. So 
<laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> this was the guy who wore the mask, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He had a mask and he would come in and when he got a hold of you where Coco would clunk on you, this guy would bite you in the head or bite you in the arm or something. He was, he was supposed to be a piranha, I guess. And the most <laughs> obvious one that my entire life has been shattered when I learned that the Golden Hulk, the guy you fight for the, the win at the end of the, well, not the end of the game, the cycle of the game, I was assumed was based on Hulk Hogan, but I just learned that it wasn't. It's not? No. Okay. It was, it was originally based on Bruiser Brody. That's why he has the furry boots. That's a Bruiser Brody thing. Oh, okay. that makes sense now. Yeah. When they moved him over to America, they started to transition some of the characteristics. They gave him the, they changed the brown hair, which was long brown hair, like Bruiser Brody had. Mm-hmm. They changed it to blonde. And that's when they went with Golden Hulk. In the Japanese version, I think he has a slightly different name. It's not Golden Hulk. It's something else. Oh, but okay. Originally, the character and the move sets and everything were all braced on Bruiser Brody because, believe it or not, Hulk Hogan's leg drop that's very famous. You know, he at mm-hmm. the end of his match, he drops his leg on the guy's throat and he wins mm-hmm. some pins. Bruiser Brody did that move way before Hulk Hogan ever did. That's where Hulk Hogan got it from. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And for me, the characters are great. They all have their different abilities. It, like I said, it was the gameplay and the cartoonification of wrestling that I loved about Matt Mania. You talked about in your game, George, how you had the springy ropes. Man, the ropes took a huge play in this. The controls were intuitive at a punch or a kick. If you hit both, you would start charging towards someone. Mm-hmm. And when you got them, it was all just a matter of direction and button. So if you, when you got somebody in a pin, if you held up and hit a button, it would do a suplex. Or you held this way in a button, it would do like throw them over your head. Or, uh, or you could throw them into the ropes and you had a number of things. You could elbow him. You could do a flying kick, you could do a shoulder ram, you could do all these cool things, but it was all the extra stuff on top of that where you could climb the corner post and leap on somebody, you could throw him outside the ring, go out and beat him up out there, and if you you could exhaust him outside the ring and climb back in before the 20 count, you could beat a difficult opponent just by playing the timing. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I love the fact that there's this one moveset that I used to do over and over and over. It's kind of like John would do to me in this game that we used to play where he would be Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider has this big, <laughs> long metal chain, and John would literally stay on one side of the screen and just whip me to death with that chain, and I could never move. Always piss me off. I did the same thing with Matt Mania. If you get the domination and you can grab your opponent and throw him into the ring ropes and you're like really close to the ring ropes when you do that, uh-huh. you can yeah. hit him with that shoulder tackle and you can do that move over and over and over and over move spamming yeah (laughs) i had a favorite strategy too other than getting somebody outside of the ring if i could get you in a corner and up the top by the by the post right by the ring post i could go if i could do three jumps off of the post you were not going to get up if you go one (laughs) two three and do a pin one two three the way he said that (laughs) it reminds me of the the owl that's licking the tootsie pop a one a two three that's always what i pictured (laughs) when he's doing that wow and the extra cartoonification of matt mania that i got to call out is there are so many cameos of characters in the audience. So it's not Mm -hmm. just generic people. If you look back there, very clearly you can see ZZ Top, Superman, (laughs) Darth Vader is in the audience. And if you keep looking, Popeye, Princess Leia, the Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder, there are all kinds of people in the audience that are like Easter eggs. That's awesome. And I'm sure they got the rights for all of those likenesses (laughs) to be able to use in this game. I'm sure there's a stack of them sitting in Japan somewhere right now. (laughs) They're so super pixelated that it doesn't even matter. All right, fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as pixelated and as 
early as this game is, this is one of the games, I guess because it was the first wrestling video game I ever played, that made me feel like I was a pro wrestler. We talked about the question that Barry posed when we were planning out this episode several times. I know that there are better looking wrestling games. Uh, Certainly now, Mm -hmm. the Mm, games are tremendous. Oh, yeah. I still, for my nostalgic reasons, go back to this game as being my favorite pro wrestling game of all time. I love Matt Mania. I, I don't get to play it as often as I want to, but if I had a place where I could put arcade cabinets... Galaga mm-hmm. would be first. Dragon's Lair would be second. Matt Mania would probably be my third cabinet. Let's give John kind of the last chance to comment in the episode. We did beg <laughs> and plead for his generosity right, to come right. on our podcast. <laughs> give the rookie so, his chance. Go ahead. <laughs> the rookie? The man's been doing podcasts for five years. He's not a rookie. The wrestling rookie. <laughs> okay, wrestling rookie. Call me a noob. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I think, you know, how modern games, the technology Technology is often used to as part of the attraction, right? It's like you watch Madden or something today, or even a modern wrestling game, and the interest is like, let's make it look like you're watching it on the Ocho, right? <laughs> yeah, I, sure. there's, there's timers in the corner, there's bugs, there's advertisements, there's all this stuff that feels like you said, George, I'm watching a production. Mm-hmm. But as was the case with older games where you didn't have the luxury of overlays and adding all the extra stuff, you could just get on the screen barely what you needed, and that's it. Uh, I, I, I was going back to this thing where the more imagine you have to push into it to make it feel real, the more invested you are. And so I feel the limitations of those old games, because I had to add my own, what do these guys really look like? Okay, I see the piranha. So he kind of looks like some green pixels. I'm going to say he looks like Creature from the Black Lagoon in my mind, right? So I'm investing in my own imagination into it. And so that only contributes. Like you said, it doesn't put up the wall that I'm watching on TV because they couldn't, luckily for them. And plus, because they had limited tech, you had to use your own brain to to breathe life into what was otherwise kind of flat. And that's what made it, that's the whole point of playing these games. It's an escapism. It's to do something outside of your realm, you know, take a few minutes and pretend you are a superhero or a wrestler or a a mercenary or something for a little bit. And these old games kind of did that in a way that new games, they don't start there. They start with the tech. They don't start with the imagination. I think that's that's why I remember them so very fun. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Well, that will wrap it up for this episode of Turnbuckles and Territories. Before we get out of here, coming up in our next episode, we are going to go back to one of the legendary speakers of our business. We're going to talk all about Jim Cornette. Now, John, I know that you may not have any history in that, but you're welcome to come back on and talk about him. I know you won't be available, though, because I've already checked with your booking agent, who's me, and you are not available to be on that podcast. But I do want to take the moment to thank you for coming on our podcast and joining us today. Oh, yeah. No, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for asking to be on. Uh, Barry, Kiwi, great to be here with you. You guys are doing a great job and can't wait to hear how you grow the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You did all right. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Some people just can't take a compliment. (laughs) I don't know how many in the podcast after that, but Barry, thanks for being here, I guess. (laughs) Thanks for having me, George. Captain Kiwi, always a pleasure. It's been a blast. And fourth listener, it's you we appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Before the days of internet and in YouTube, we was after booing Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude, and Jake would be the break. Our theme song is courtesy of nerdcore hip hop artist Beefy. Explore his work at beefiness.com. Turnbuckles and Territories is a production of Gen X Grown Up and a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.
Tories, we be stuck to screens in 1980.